everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast for the Masters. And yes, I am tuned up just a little bit more here this week. And we are getting it out nice and early because I am attending Augusta. And I'm not going to have a way to talk to anybody outside of that little bubble on Wednesday. The first time that will happen to me in quite a while. Drew, I know you've had that uh, experience before. So what tips can you give me and maybe a couple of other people listening that might be going here this week to the tournament? So tip number one, don't go with a pregnant wife. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <That's laughs> I actually went with a pregnant <laughs> wife to Kapalua. Oh, that um, might be just as bad. Yeah, I, I was going to say it's probably similar in terms of what they well, had to go through. Walking. Yeah, so my my goal of going to Augusta was a to walk every single hole, which we did, but it, yep. it was not. It was a it was a fight. It probably still is an argument to this point, but <laughs> she was like she was like two months in, I think, or three months in, and she couldn't figure out why she was so tired. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it's it's oh man. So how I mean, long is that going to take me? If I do that first thing in the morning when gates open, how long is that going to so, take me? So the tips that I was given, and again, I only went one time. I've only been on a Wednesday for the practice round, which was which was still pretty awesome. And yeah. this was 2019 when um, Tiger won. So I got to see some Tiger out there. It was tough to find him behind all the crowds. Um, yeah. But so the tips that I was given was if I want to walk all the holes, which I did, obviously seeing 10, like, like all the holes are just – they're better than what you see on TV, in my opinion. Like there's going to every hole. Yeah, so it's just like even 16, 16 to me on TV just looks so easy. And then like, like the contrary to that is like 17 at Sawgrass looks so hard, and in real life, it's really not as hard without wind as it as it looks. But like 16 looks like oh yeah, they're just hitting it to this green, and everything funnels left to the hole. And then you get there, and you're like, they have to hit it there. It's like a, it's almost like an island green when you look at like the shape of the greens. Like yeah. it's crazy. So I was told. Because I, I, I explained I wanted to go see every single hole. They said, well, the first thing you want to do is walk straight to Amen Corner. So yep. we walked down. Um, we didn't walk to 10. We walked a different route. I forget how we got to 11, 12, and 13. Um, but we went straight to 11, 12, 13. There's a, there's a pavilion there. Like a ton of people um, congregate around 11, green, and 12, T. So, I, I, again, I'm just passing along what I was told, and it seemed to work out pretty well. And then we, we basically looped that one all the way back to the clubhouse. So 11. Mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way 18. 18 is a freaking hike up the hill, way more than you think on TV. It's it's it it took me a breath, I think, at some point halfway up the hill. Um, and then we just we kind of hung out around the clubhouse. We got food, everything is up there by the leaderboard, and then we hit 10, and then I think we started back, we hit we saw 10, and then we think we went back towards one and then just did the, the entire front nine. Right. So um, however you want to do it, ideally me, I would have just said I want to hit one and walk all the all the holes, but I guess Amen Corner gets so so many people. Um, it's very shaded. There's a big pavilion. A lot of people eat food and drink right there on 12 T. Um, it's a pretty cool place to just hang out and see a lot of a lot of golf shots. You see 13, you can see 11, you can see 12. So I was told to go there first and get it out of the way. Um, the other tip I will give you is hit the pro shop first, and they actually have like a uh, like a FedEx drop off there so that they'll actually ship it home or they'll bag it for you but get that out of the way first and then you're just free to enjoy the golf course and uh and have fun it's 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 really better than advertised which is striking to say in 2023 everything is hyped up but it's uh it's awesome man i mean even little things like going to the bathroom it's like you just get into the line and the line never stops moving you just end up at a urinal and then you end up leaving 
And, uh, and then my same with concessions, like concessions the same way you walk into the concession and there's, you know, there's 20 people in front of you, but not, uh, you know, no one even stops moving even for like checking out. It's just like, Listen, it just I'm keeps used to going. Disney world line. So this is going to yeah. be nothing for me, dude. It's, it's so, it's so unreal. I don't know how, how this can't be, you know, scaled to every other. We're used to the Valspar, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, they put, they I mean, they get a ton of good volunteers, local kids that volunteer and stuff. But cause like, this is such a big deal for that area that schools shut down for that week. Schools are shut down this week. It's like a holiday and they all volunteer and they help out for the tournament. So they have so many volunteers and they're so good at keeping everything clean and organized. Um, it's, it's crazy. I will say the coolest thing to me and maybe people that are listening will, can maybe be maybe uh maybe agree with me but um <laughs> the funny thing to me was when you walk in through like the the main entrance you go past the driving range and the practice area and then you don't even get into the golf course like it's another entrance well between the driving range and the the entrance to the golf course there's like all these huge buildings it's almost like magic kingdom like the like, <laughs> like the, the middle like the front and center part of Magic Kingdom where like there's like the, the presidents and whatever else. This is what this is at Augusta. Like, I don't know what these people do in there, but there's buildings. People work there all day, I guess, or hang out. <laughs> so I was like, what what is this place? It's and there's like streets inside of it. It's just bizarre, man. But um, yeah, the golf course is better than better than advertised. advertised. Are so massive. Um, Ten is just ridiculous. And uh yeah, that was that was one of the stopping points for the pregnant wife. Was down the hill and ten was why y'all going so sure. fast? So uh, twelve. I mean, we, we get our own camera. We can get that shot with the you know where the patrons all stand up there. You know, with the tee box behind. I assume, correct? Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, but like behind that is this huge pavilion. I mean, there's you don't. I didn't even know it existed. There's so many people that because you can't out even there. see it on TV. You don't see it on TV. It, I didn't oh, even know it existed. That's yeah, that's yeah. so cool. So there's just a lot of places. There's so many concession stands. Um, I think one of the funnest places I I hung out was 16 T because you can see 13 green during the practice round. Um, And then we also sat next to 13 green because you can see up. uh, I think it was, I think it was down uh, 15 maybe. Um, Yeah. One of those holes, like they all kind of cross crisscross. You can see a lot of golf from like one spot. So Depending, it sounds like the temperatures are going to be decent for you too, which is nice. Yeah, it's Wednesday, Saturday, it's so. Wednesday yeah. will be the best day of the week. It looks like. Perfect. So. Yeah, I mean, you're you're going to love it, man. I I don't know how I can hype it up anymore without you still being exceeding your your hype level. But it's it's just it, it really is crazy. Can't wait, can't wait. So uh, let's um let's go in and, and talk a, a little bit more about uh, the event itself. Maybe yeah. not attending it, but. Um, Corey Connors will be playing here this week, and just wanted to touch base about him really before because this, for for in terms of our picks, this podcast we do focus a lot on the statistical side and and matching up how many approach shots and who's doing best from approach yards and such. And I will say one thing: some events we don't get all of the data from, and match play was one of those. And Cameron Young played so good in the group play; it was insane. He shot twenty seven on one of the nines. Uh, and the reason why I'm bringing up Cameron Young is because Cameron Young and Corey Connors had a battle of a match. And if you go through the shot log, they both were playing fantastic golf. Cameron Young ended up coming away with the victory there. But Corey Connors played great golf. 
he ended up playing great golf against his other two opponents, beating them easily. And if you looked a little bit more into the stats, you would have seen it looked like Connors was in really good form, close to top form, ends up playing against a weaker field last week and wins. You know, for me, looking into that type of stuff creates an edge that only PGA or golf really creates. Um, and, you know, hitting Connors 25 to 1, you know, thank you to the state of Massachusetts for finally being legal up there. Um I mean, it, those are types of things that I think can happen only in PGA. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but uh, one of those things that, you know, you yeah. and I look at so much because we're looking at the stats. From a betting perspective, yeah, there's there's not many. You could even get, you know, Indianapolis Colts to win the Super Bowl, and it's probably like 14 to 1. <laughs> and you get 25 to 1 tickets every week or 50 to 1 tickets every week that have potential um, at some point during the week. So, yeah, there's, there's nothing like PGA. Even, I mean – I know we we kind of criticize it, but like betting, you know, Rory McIlroy seven to one or six to one in certain fields, or Raman six to one in certain fields, like it's still like it's still better than you know the Colts or not the Colts, the uh, the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Like the odds are like it's ridiculous that we get for golf. So um, doesn't make them any easier. It still makes the twenty five to one just as sweet. Um, but yeah, that's there's nothing like golf, and uh, and there's a lot of long odds this week. I saw like a two hundred eighty one Taylor Moore. So it's, it's a fun week. I don't see how that can win with the strong field, but yeah, the numbers are out there and it would definitely give you a sweat like a Danny Willett from uh, what 2016 or whenever that was. He won 150 to one. So what a ticket. What a ticket. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk briefly. We'll go into the weather. It does look like it's going to get cooler. What does that really mean? Well, this kind of segues into the one thing I wanted to talk to you about is they changed the 13 hole around. And what I think the weather does is it, 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 it's going to make the par fives harder because it's obviously when it gets colder, the ball doesn't travel as far. That's, that's just how it works out. And the one thing I think they can do is if, if that ends up being the case on Sunday and it is the back nine on Sunday, you know, we don't get any delays or anything. They can, they can play front tees on Sunday if they really want to, they can mess with it. Um, but I do think it may lead to a uh, higher, if you want to put it that way, winning score. Um, what's your thoughts? I mean, we've seen some pretty good scores the last couple of years. Obviously, DJ set the record in 2020. I think we're going the other way. I think we could be trending towards yeah. it a bit this year. Yeah, it's a very interesting week of weather because, like, half the conditions are setting it up for it to be soft and easier. But with yep. the wind and the cooler weather, it makes it more difficult. So, um, speaking they of 13 in 85 degree weather too, that's the other thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's honestly, I mean, we casual players, I mean, we know like in the morning when you go play a cold round of golf, like, Hey, the ball's not flying as far. Like it's still an extra bit of work for these guys. If they're peeing off in the morning and it's 40 degrees and they play the back nine and it's 65 degrees, like there's a yeah. difference there. And sure is. we may not really think about it. We just think, Oh, the ball's not flying as far. They probably have it down to a science, but um, that definitely tricks things up a bit for the guys, specifically um, 13. I mean, for, for most PGA Tour courses, they they obviously tip it out and they never play the tips, you know, on every single hole every single yeah. day. Yeah, uh, so, so I don't know if that tee box, it looks long enough that they could use the front of it and the back of it yep. on each days, but I don't know if they even intend to to never use that box and move it up to the old box like on Sunday to make it. Dramatic. So, like, my part, my problem with it was um, just texting with you a bit is that 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 hole has provided so much drama over the years. Even when Tiger was bombing it down there and having like a wedge or a nine iron in, 
on certain days. Like there's still so much bad stuff that can happen on that course uh, or on that hole, having a seven iron or a six iron or a five iron. Uh, I mean, Phil hit it out of the pine straw on that hole with a yeah. five iron or a four iron, I think. But we're not getting that. And we're not going to get that anymore. Yeah. Even DJ today said he's probably going to have to lay up all four days. And to me, I mean, it's only one hole, but still that, that hole has been, if you just look through history, it's been a big momentum shifter for a lot of guys, either hitting it in the water, maybe on Thursday or Friday with, with Sergio making a 10 or whatever it was. Or yeah, that, was, that was 15. <laughs> that was the greatest uh, hole of golf I've ever watched. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't mean to say that about yeah. Sergio, but it was just, I mean, he, he had been going through some bad press, I believe, too, with, you know, coming out of golf tournaments acting like a baby. So, oh, yeah. Kind of just like the golf gods, you know, giving back to us. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, to me, I would love to see, I don't know. I'm just, I think everything in golf is shifting towards these guys hit it too far. But if you think through like the history of this golf tournament, like the winning score has never been crazy. And when Except we saw for the DJ, here, which was a blip. Really? Exactly. It really was. And um, I just think when you start, I mean, they've been doing this for a while. They, they had to buy like a parcel of land for like $2 million from another golf course. To yeah, just to, just to get this. Tea. Just to get this tee box. Yeah. So it's like an acre of land for $2 million. It's, um, I mean, it's besides the point. It just seems like biodome, dude. Just put a biodome over it. Screw the spending of more money and just put a dome over the entire golf course, and we don't have to worry about this. They have the best app in the business, so there's no there's no shortage of cash. I mean, as far as like live goes and Augusta National, it might be pretty close on on what's available um, to spend on, on what a dome would cost. Listen, they can just call their buddies up at the PIF and just ask for some more. Probably, money. yeah. yeah. So I don't. Plenty of time. I just I hate from a traditional standpoint. And we'll see how it goes. I just I, – I don't like the idea that these guys – like when Zach Johnson can't reach it in two because he's short. When yeah. DJ can't reach it in two, there's a problem in my opinion. So yeah, I, I'll I think kind of boil it down to that. Yeah, I, I did listen – I will say I listened to Minwoo Lee talk, uh, and he said he had seven iron in still from that back tee today hitting the drive the way he's he – He's a freak. So, I mean, yeah. that's – I guess that's okay. But still, it almost gives them more of an advantage in a sense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it might. It may give the longer hitters a more advantage. Yeah. So let me ask you this: uh, with the conditions getting cooler, we both expect scores to to probably be a little harder to get. Do you think that opens the tournament up, or still closes it down to say the top six guys that I'm going to talk about next? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that would cause a little bit of quirkiness where there could be a. Do you think there could be a runaway? Uh, I mean, if the waves really switch, which I haven't seen, but I mean, that's possible. We could see a, a Rory get off to some type of ridiculous start. Um, I haven't seen the wave splits, so I, I can't really speak to that. I think it's too early. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I, I mean, under the conditions, Saturday just looks terrible. So I'm not sure right. any lead you would have on Friday would be like would be stretched out on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about, um, statistically speaking, this golf course is going to test every single aspect, but the majority of the approach shots will come. When I say a majority, I say the highest amount of any 25-yard bucket will come from that oh, 165 to 190. You know, in reality, we have it uh, bucketed as 150 to 175. 
honest to God, the top six names that are gaining the most strokes from that yardage right now are the six names that I would put that I think could win the golf tournament. Scotty Scheffler being one, Xander Shoffley being two, John Rahm three, Rory four, Colin Morikawa five, and Jordan Speed six. Just below them, and if we included in the match play results, Cameron Young would be there as well. Those are the seven guys, honestly, that I'm focused on the most that I think could win this week. Obviously, a couple of other names like Max Homa, Jason Day, Tom, uh, Patrick Cantlay, I think are all in contention. Um, but what do you make of that, given the fact that I think it is maybe the most important approach yardage and the best names are doing the best in that category? Yeah, I think – I mean, it does depend on the weather a bit. So, I mean, uh, as a blanket statement, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that that 150 to 200 is usually where guys have a lot of shots. There's just a few holes um, where they get a wedge in their hands for the most part. So It would change if the weather is only on the par fives. We could get four wedge chances, you know, there, and that will obviously shift things. Well, I'm thinking like three is a wedge, um, if not drivable, not drivable, but like – you know, a flip wedge to a wedge. Yeah. yeah, all the other holes though are stretched out enough where yeah, they're gonna have a mid iron to a long iron in mm-hmm. for sure. Um and again, that does depend on the weather a little bit or wind direction, but I think I think it just speaks to how good these guys are. Um I think the way the trends are with the PGA tour is these guys that are at the top of world ranking points, the top of the PGA tour money list, whatever you want to call it, yep. they're gonna be the best off the tee being long. And they're also going to be the best at having any of those long shots, 150 to 200 yards yeah. um, heading in as well. I think the the difference maker on winning is just putting and, and kind of short game. So yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with those, those six that you named. They're, they're obviously the favorites. I think Xander, you know, the, the unique thing for this week is looking a little bit, if we're going to talk about the weather and being a little bit cooler and, and certainly soft is, um, I don't want to say apex, but we'll just say trajectory. We know Xander hits a really high. Yeah. Um, we know Scotty Scheffler hits a really high and obviously has won here before. Cameron Smith hits a pretty high, so we'll see how that works out for him. Um, yeah. The rest of the guys that are real flat hitters, I think that's probably the biggest difference maker. Um, and, again, it's it's minute if you're an elite guy, but I think that is the but difference. If it's cold maker. and soft, hitting the ball higher and getting it to stop with that six iron or five iron is going to be an advantage, though. It would. So, like, the caveat there would be, like, if you want to just – you know, nitpick Colin Moore, caliber Xander. I think that's a, a, a decent difference maker for me. Sure. Xander's ability to hit it so high, especially in the par fives versus more mm-hmm. who he hits it high enough, but it's, it's definitely a flatter ball flight than Xander. Um, I think there's a difference there if you're really trying to cut your player pool. So as I go down my player pool, that's something that I'm considering is like, which of these guys really do well in longer golf courses because I think that's kind of what it's going to stand out. And there's two sides of that. One is off the tee, for sure. Right. The other is definitely those mid to long irons and how well they control those into those greens. So looking back at, at courses like that are going to be important. So let's talk about a few against the green names uh, that popped up to me that I'd like to throw out at you. We know Tom Hoagie is maybe one of the best iron players in the world that we wouldn't consider an elite player overall. Good player, not elite. Really is elite with his irons, though. JT Poston has been coming on and had a good match play. And then I want to throw in Adam Spence and all these guys ranked inside of the top 15 in terms of uh, our spectrum data in this yardage bucket that I'm, uh, we've been talking about. So Corey Connors also sticks in, but I, I think we know Corey Connors is probably going to be the highest known golfer this week. So let's talk about maybe the other ones that I mentioned first, and then you can talk about Connors if you'd like. Yeah, Connors, Connors has pretty good 
Yeah, yeah I mean, we know, we know Corey's history Frank. means a bit. Yeah. Uh, it means a good bit here at Augusta. So, yeah, Corey Connors in good form and with the history makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, the other guys, I mean, Tom Hoagie has – I think Svensson doesn't have a start here, and yeah. Hoagie and Poston both have only one start. So, yeah, I mean, Tom Hoagie – We'll start with him. I think I think you need more than just good iron. So I think he's a little bit on my um, outside looking in list. Yeah, it's just he, or maybe your last four in if we want to use a March. Yeah, I mean he's not out of my player pool, but as yep. far as like the price goes, I think there's some other guys that I'll I would rather lean into than Hoagie. And and again, you can certainly do damage with your irons here, but I feel like his, his one weakness is definitely off the tee compared to like you know, the people that win here, um, yeah. uh, iron play, <laughs> iron play is important, but off the tee is, is probably equally important. If you look through the winners the last couple of years, for sure. So, uh, Hoagie's Hoagie's probably down there. I think Poston's really interesting. Poston's numbers have been trending in the right direction. Really um, has. and I mean, his butter gets hot. Strokes, so yeah, just seeing him gain strokes and certain approach yardages to me is, is intriguing. Exactly. So I, I, he, man, He's just a he's just a weird one for me to click, but yep, I have I've been clicking him and I've been pleasantly surprised every single time. I think I played him at the match play and he did well. Yep. Um and really even good. before that, he's been doing you know better than even I expected, just the numbers say he's playing well. So I think Poston's a good one. Svenson's fine. It's just his first start here. Obviously, I think that that hurts his chances of winning, especially in a strong field. But if you're if you're looking to save some salary, yep. he's definitely worth you know, plugging into some lineups because you need a cheaper 6K guy. Um, and I don't know if we plan to talk about any type of groups, but like, I think, I think in general, the strategy for like major championships is like a balanced build. So I think it's, it's tougher to fit in like a Scheffler with a bunch of guys that have top 10 upside. But if you are going to play them, you're going to have to play. I know you mentioned Cameron Champ last week, but you'd have to play someone in that mid 6K range if yeah. you want it to work. If you want to go down to Harold Varner and just take a dart, take a chance on a dart like, uh, a live player like that, you can do it. But I, I think that's really important for construction this week is, is don't shy away from a cheap guy because you're going to need five in the top 10 and probably six in the top 15, if not all six in the top 10, possibly for. Yeah. For the big 15 yeah. For the the 15 big, I, yeah, exactly. The nice thing is, is the tiered structure of these contests. You can see where the ownership is going. So let me ask you. 7,600, I think it's going to be a pivotal salary this week, especially as you go up to the 2,200 level. We've already talked about Corey Connors being, you know, probably the highest owned. He's at that exact yeah. price. Let me throw two more names at you, though. Brooks Kepka finally looks like he's playing good golf again. And our, our maybe, maybe uh, we know that we're not the first to champion this name, but we are definitely behind the Min Woo Lee train now at this point. And all three of them are at 7,600. I've made plenty of lineups with all three in there, but uh, what do you make of that range? Because that, that could be pivot, uh, pretty pivotal this week. Yeah, I, I instead of me saying fade Connors for either one of them, I honestly don't mind playing two of those in one lineup. Like Min Woo Lee obviously has the distance to play anywhere in the world. Um, he that, definitely has here. talent. And yep. he has a T14 here last year. So Wait, Was he I the think, top debutant last year even? He might have been the top debutant. I don't, I'll besides, have to the leaderboard again. Besides, just for last year, you mean, or ever? Yeah, just last year. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say your boy's feet's probably got the best 
debut con. No, yeah, I, I meant like for it to actually win that bet. You know how they put that bet out each year for the top debut? And I yeah, the top debut. Yeah, I'm I'm probably, yeah actually won that bet last year. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean, Brooks, Brooks is interesting, obviously, coming off a win um, this past Sunday at uh, Orange County National. But he had good course history up through the last two years where, you know, it's been kind of the – record show on the full swing documentary, whatever you want to call it documentary, yeah. I guess is uh, he was struggling with a lot of stuff mentally and physically, and maybe both bled together. So I think Brooks is fine. I, if we want to just talk about chalk really quick, I think in these events for, for one, the masters has the smallest field of any of the majors. So I think you can't be too, too strict on fading all the chalk. Um, so like a Connors to me, isn't like bad chalk. He's, yep, he's right. deep enough and you have to fit them in. The thing we have talked about, though, is you you would want to pair him or have someone in your player pool that's sub 10%, ideally sub 5%, whether that comes from the 6K range or it comes from the 8K range, you know, yeah. just an off-the-wall play. That's that's really important. So I would not fade anyone for the sake of fading them in this type of event, especially, especially someone like Connors with the course history and the form. It just – I mean, he would have – I would fade him, but he would have to be like – 60% owned or something like that. Yeah. It, the 2200, he very well might be. Um, if you're playing in that context, he could. And that would be a different situation, too. Like, I would probably play him in that situation. But, like, the 15, like, 60 is a bit high. But, like, if he was 40 to 50% in the millimaker, the big millimaker, yeah, I would, I would okay. probably fade him. But if he's going to be like 30%, that's, that's still fine. I would still yep. have, you know, match the field, I would say, um, in that scenario. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's let's break down um, that 8K range. Like you said, we've pretty much talked about everybody in the 9K range, except yeah. for Jonathan Thomas. Um, I don't really have any thoughts about him. He's got okay course history, but for me, I'm spending uh, the 200 to get Cantlay or the decrease of 100 to get Homa or Morikawa or Shoffley at this point. I just don't think his game is in – is in uh, major championship shape. Maybe it will be. I think his game is. I think his putting is not. Putting. I think that's really the problem. Yeah. So I have interest in him because I think he does have. I, again, from a Millie Maker standpoint, I wouldn't play him in the twenty two hundred. Yeah. That would be. It would. Yeah, yeah. That that wouldn't make sense to me. But it, uh, honestly, he has good course history. His putting has been terrible. It could flip at any point. Not saying it. It can for every single person, but I think his ball striking is good enough that. This could be a week that he stays in there, especially if we look at the conditions. And I'll just kind of, you know, preface it by that. Like if the conditions are going to be super tough, it'll put even more um, value on the ball striking from a Justin Thomas, who his ball striking really has been pretty good. It hasn't been, you know, as good as it was two years ago. But the JT stuff isn't like, I mean, Matthew Fitzpatrick's been way worse this year than um, he has. Sam Burns has been way worse than he has the last couple of years. I think JT's still close. So I think he might be a one of those, you know, sub 10 percenters that could get the job done for someone. Yeah, uh, he's an interesting name to throw into that bucket for sure. Um, at, from 9 to 8K, I think it gets interesting. Obviously, Jason Day is playing some fantastic golf this year. A lot of interest will go into him. Also, Cameron Young, uh, a lot of interest will go there. But Victor Hovland, maybe not a ton there. Certainly, I won't be interested in Will Zelatoris. Uh, I, I think his putting is maybe in the worst spot it's ever been in his entire career. So I'm out there. Uh, I don't think the field is going to be out, though. So that's probably one of my biggest fades this week. I'll also be on the fading of Ty Hatton. No thanks. Um, 
So in this range from nine to call it 7.8K, who's your biggest play and your biggest fade at this point? So Jason Day is really a scary one this week. Um, and I'm going to have to play him. And the, the, the main reason why is we joked, we joked a couple weeks ago that we're seeing guys resurge a bit from like 2016 uh, days. And Jason Day was one of them. We, and I really thought that he would have a down week or two. And he's he's shown that he's been playing great. Like the match play, he wasn't scared. Played played as hard as he could for the most part, from what I could tell. Um, I was I was pretty impressed that I you know I, I thought maybe if he lost a match, he would just kind of let it go and he would want to take a break. And it looked like he kind of stuck it out. So his numbers look great At around the green and putting. Have always been um, pretty good. Yeah, they're, he's all- they're obviously the best right now. And, and his tee to green game, you know, considering his off the tee has been pretty good, is still pretty strong. So he has a long history here at, at Augusta of, of decent finishes. So I think Jason Day is one of those people will actually overthink a bit. I think I think when you, when we first talked about Jason Day a couple of weeks ago, Jason Day would have been really chalky. I think people have kind of full circled on him a bit and said, oh, he's too obvious of a play. And um maybe you know, that'll filter up to dj and fino i think so that's that's yeah. kind of my interpretation i feel like if i was just building a couple lineups and i said jason day there i would try to find the money to get the fino or shoffley because they're not that far apart or cameron young and victor hovland right below them aren't yeah. aren't the worst options either and obviously hideki had a nice finish um, yeah he did like sunday yesterday so just good to see him finish all four rounds yeah so i think i know that's a long speech but i think jason day is one of those guys where a week ago, we would have said, yeah, Jason Day is going to be the guy that's going to chalk bomb everybody. And now I, I think people are going to think that way. And he's going to get <laughs> get lower ownership. Oh, and he's going to finish in the top 12 or top 8. Hot take there. And uh, and he's going to be the guy that everyone needs in their millimaker lineup. So we'll see how it goes. But his form has been so good. I've been very impressed. Um, as far as other guys in this range, I'm not super, super excited to play Sam Burns even after the match play. Um, and, and I'm kind of there with you on Will Zalatoris. Um, he has think, been good, period, though. I don't know. I mean, I know he's been good at Augusta, six and a third in his two starts or something crazy like that. I'm just – I'm yeah. not here. Sure. I'll let him beat me, and then that's fine. In this range, I mean, I, to be honest, Zalatoris is probably my biggest fade. I, I would say my biggest overweight at this point. Uh, I, I've clicked Cameron Young's name maybe a couple of more times, so no huge overweights. You know, um, to be honest, uh, I'm playing all of them pretty equally. I, I'm the lineups yeah. that I've built so far have been very speed with a Scheffler or another star oriented lineup. So um, it's just a spread out. I don't I don't click two of these names in barely any lineups though. If if that is I think the of my lineup building this week, I think I'm pretty sold on Hatton being. I know we we talked about AK, but like Hatton was the guy between him and Fitzpatrick. Like I don't think I'm going to play much of either of those guys. Yeah, they're and just I think not in form now. They're not in form, but I don't think Hatton loves this place. And I think that honestly gets to him more than uh, we just talk about. Yep. Um, which is really sad to say for a professional golfer. But I really think in his head when he says he doesn't like a place, he either predetermines himself to play poorly and then he hates it more, or he really is telling the truth and he hates it. So um, Hatton I'm out on, yep. and then uh, Fitzpatrick has just not looked not look great. I, I really I have, have a tough time guys. seeing it. Yeah, out of all of these English guys, Justin Rose is the best, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah, I know. I, you made fun of me a couple weeks ago for picking him to win Valspar or something where you shit the bed. But 
I, I do like him. He got there early. He had a video out. Like he's pumping his his uh, his brand. brand. And, yeah. I mean, he didn't even know how many times he's played here. He's 17, 18, 15, 19 times. He doesn't even know. So uh, yeah, I think I think Rose sets up really well here. Fleetwood's fine. I know we're, we're dipping in the sevens there, but yeah, just, the, the, the Fitzpatrick and Hatton are two where to your to not to counter your point to kind of uh, supplement your point a bit. Like everyone in the AK range, I I do have you know, an appeal to, um, everyone all the way down Sam Burns. I'm not super interested in, but like, once you get for me, yeah, he hasn't done it in majors yet, but I love, I do love his form. It's trending in the right direction. Sam Burns. Yeah, it is. I, I think I'm more, I think I'm a little sold on him not doing well. Um, so do you think that Max is in that same boat? I mean, you're ready for a home to break through. I don't know if it's Augusta, um, but I like his price. Okay. I don't know if Augusta's is the week that he breaks through. I think LA Country Club is probably the one. You like him in that second or third round. Let's put it that way, because you like him to break through in a major this year. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's playing great and he's playing very consistently. Um, I think Augusta's takes a little more. Oh, yeah. Just um, being he put a lot of effort into making the cut last year. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I just and he did. We're gonna hand it to him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he won the Masters, but I don't, I don't pick that as the one he would win. I think it really would be a U.S. Open or PGA Championship he would win yeah. first. If 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 he only won one major, it'd be those two. So right. we'll see. But I think his price is cheap enough, and he finishes top ten. I would not be surprised. So, like I said, I love building balanced lineups in in majors. And if you talk about the Masters, there's no better time to build a balanced roster where you could start with Spieth or Cantley. And you fit in Homa and like two guys in the eight Ks, two guys in the sevens, and you look like, man, I got I got six ten K guys basically. Right. So, and other events that we've seen this year. Exactly. So I, I really like that angle. And um Tom Kim long enough to compete here as he was out playing with Rory and Tiger this morning. So certainly the upper echelon of the golfing world, at least on the PGA tour side, believes in this kid to uh, take him under their wing. But is he long enough to win? Is he long enough to be in your DFS lineup? I think I'm going to be out. Two problems. Yeah. yeah, you're not, I'm not super excited. His form's not great. Um, it's not. And if it would have been at the end of fall last year, yes, I would have said yes. But I'm not. And I don't think it's a distance issue. I think it's an overall form issue. I think he's not the longest guy for sure. But I don't think his he's like detrimentally short. He's not like Brian Hart. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement for sure. Um. Yeah, I just I don't think his form is where it needs to be. That's pretty much that, it. That's that's fair, and I, I think we, we've covered a lot of the guys now above uh, seventy six hundred, so to speak. Joaquin Neiman has shown he can play. Well, what, here. Yeah, let's. Can we talk about that really quick? How are you yeah. approaching the live guys? Because like even in myself, I'm I'm tossing around in my head where like I can't just I can't, like mathematically I can't just take yeah. a rating and deduct you know ten percent because they're live guys. I've, um, I've got I've got a pretty – I'm going to go to this game plan this week. If they have shown form on that tour, I, I am going to rate them relatively norm, normal to the PGA Tour guys because yeah. I believe the odds makers and DraftKings have already done this for us, right? Cam Smith is the top price to live at 9,800. I'm going to play Cam Smith in every major I can because – when he decides that it's time to focus on golf and play golf, maybe it is these three days leading up to Augusta, and then he does it again. I believe when he's on, he is one of the best players in the world. 
Now, yeah. I don't think he's on right now, so I'm not going to be overweight him this week. But I think when we get to DJ, he showed up last week. I'm fine going to him at 8,800. And then I think Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed are absolutely viable at their prices. If they were in the 8Ks, I'd say, I'd have okay ownership. But at 7,300 for Patrick Reed in a, in a grinded out fest this week and Brooks Kepka at 7,600 coming off of form, I see absolutely no issues going to those guys. I'd rather yeah. play them over Keegan Bradley right now. I'd rather play them over, mm, uh, well, Chris Kirk is actually a good debate. I would put Chris yeah. Kirk. <laughs> I yeah. wasn't looking at him. Yeah, he'd be tough. But Chris like Russell Henley, Billy Orschel, like all those guys, there's no shot. I'm in for Kepkin Reed, but maybe not over Kirk. Uh, Kirk is a little deeper discussion. I, I think this guy is playing some really good. He's just right playing now. good, and he's sober, yeah. so that's good. Yeah, uh, Kirk Kitayama, same bucket. I think I would probably rather click Kitayama and Kirk uh, over Reed, um, it, since they're kind of in that same bucket. Bryson hasn't done enough for me as we finish on the live guys. Bryson hasn't done enough. Answer is okay. I'm okay with answer. I'd rather go to Reed or Kepka. Uh, I will play some Harold Varner. Yeah. But what do you make of Thomas Peters? First round leader, Thomas Peters. Um, I, I listened to the entire podcast. Uh, the what is it? The the Barstool guys. Um, and and I, I figured it would be this because Thomas Peters has been a pretty cool dude, you know, from from the onset, uh, and he lived up to it. Not to use the live word, but do you think that he's in play this week? 6,900. I don't know. I don't either. I'd rather go to Danny Willett or the American version of Thomas Peters and Cameron Champ, uh, who looked okay last week and just can't find a weekend. Does he find the weekend here at Augusta? It's We're almost on three straight events where he's missed on the number now, Joe. Cameron Champ? Yep. I mean, I... To me, I would want to see some upside. Not not just on the yeah. golf course. I know he had a T ten here last year, but I would want to see like missing on the number. Is he is that because of something he can easily change and that's gonna to lead to a top ten? But it seems like, at least from what I can tell, he's it's other things that aren't it's all part of nothing is nothing yes. is flashing. That's the problem. I would rather go to Danny yeah, Willard. So it's getting reviewed then. Yeah, so I, I think I think the one sleeper in this area is like Harris English, who does have a good finish here a couple of years ago at T21. Um, and we saw him play well at Bay Hill. And I'm saying Bay Hill is a uh, is a <laughs> predecessor or some type of like, um, I don't know. So it has some type of correlation with Augusta. But we've seen guys that play well at, at Bay Hill play well here. And I don't know if that's necessarily just recent form. I talked about this on the, the Valero Texas Open. Like, a lot of guys that played well at Valero Texas Open or won, and like even in my Millie Maker, it was Harris English, I think, that yep. he had a top five or something like that. And I played him the next week because he just played well. Why not? Yep. And he played well again. So yep. I think, um, look I think decent Harris English is interesting. Too, yeah, looked decent in match play. Didn't get out of the He group. did, yeah. Yeah, so that might be one of those guys. And, and again, it's it's really tough to peg exactly who the low-owned, you know, sleeper of the week is going to be, like a top 10. But when you look at upside, Harris English came out of nowhere at Bay Hill, which is a super golf, super tough golf course. You can't really, like, fake it around there. Okay. Um, at, at the match play, you, you can't really tell how well they're playing because it's in group play and they're playing each person. It's, it's not super easy, but he played – from what I could tell, it was good enough. 
and he does have a decent finish here a couple years ago. So um, that's that's one guy in there. The rest, though, as far as like live goes, just to finish off that point. Yeah, I think I think they're all exactly how how you said it. If they showed any form, you kind of view it that view that as regular good recent form um, yep. and wherever their pricing is, you kind of compare them to the guys around them. Do they make sense? Right. Yes or no. And I think that's perfect example is like Bryson uh, or not Bryson Brooks and also uh, Minwoo Lee and, and Corey Connors. Yeah. I mean, just like grouping guys into a, a, a upside bin, I guess like Corey Connors, Brooks Kepka, Minwoo Lee, Brooks Kepka has similar upside, if not more. Um, yeah. I, I love all three. If he's playing well. So you, you just don't, I just, I'm not buying into the narrative that, hey, these guys are playing three rounds. They can't play four. I think that's that's BS. Yep, yep. Um, it, <laughs> these guys these guys played four rounds for the last you, 10 years. Well, I mean, honestly, four, yeah, the last 10 four, years of their life. 25, third, you know, it's a long it's, time. Um, it's just yeah, it's, uh, a, let's, let's go for a couple <laughs> more picks uh, in the 6K range. I, I think you're going on it. I do love the Harris English call over Cam Champ. I also yeah. like Gary Woodland in that range of 6,700 because he's shown form here yep. in the last four, you know, call it four or five weeks. You know, we've only missed one cut. Um, so I, I do like Gary Woodland a bit. Seth Straka down there at 6,300 put up a T22 at Valero. I believe he made the weekend here last year. Um, let me verify. I know I put him on a lineup last year. That's why I say that. Um, we verify that he did make the weekend. As I do talk about that, I want to talk about a former's Masters champion that has made a bunch of cuts in a row at 6,600. It is Danny Willett. You know, obviously he broke my heart because I'm a speed guy. Uh, Seth Strzok did come in 30th last year, by the way, in his opening debut. Uh, I'm in the Danny Willett at 6,600. Um, he's one of my bigger plays at this range. I mean, he's a guy that I think could get you into the top 30 make an eagler or two where now he's a say top 15 scorer in you know $15 or the $100 I think he could help you win it. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that. Below that I probably wouldn't go too much further but like yeah, subtract is fine. One other um, name that I'll throw at you that I, I you know I I've, I've just been reading about this week um and and you know we don't focus too much on the college game but I will say uh there was some good things said about this guy, Gordon Sargent. Sargent. Yeah. Um, top amateur bet, sure. I'm definitely interested in because he's getting a lot of a lot of hail. Have you heard of this guy before this week? Uh, do you know much about him? I looked up his college resume, and, and yeah, the top ten rate looks uh, very, very good comparatively to to some of the peers that have come out recently. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a ton about his game. I, I know he's a bomber. He hits it really far, and obviously, he's he's, he's good, if not super talented, or or both. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much interest in playing the AMs in this event. Uh, really in any any of the majors, I don't, I don't really do that. Yeah. Ogles, Ogletree and, uh, made it one year and maybe it was, I don't know. I mean, making the cuts one thing, but like you still, it's still like an upside thing. It doesn't mean, right. You're going to provide value for DFS. Yeah. Again, maybe in the $2,200, if, if you've got an unlimited budget, Sure, I could see you throwing Sargent in on a 2200 lineup, and if he gets in the top 35, sure, if you've got five other guys in the top 10, maybe you do win. Yeah. I won't be doing that for the $15, because I think, like you said, you've got to get all six guys at the very minimum in the top 20, if not 15 or 10. And I don't see that happening for Sargent. Yeah, that's basically it. Like, just view it from an upside lens. And I – 
in the next 10 years, sure, there's oh, a lot Mito of upside Pereira. in the next five years, but that's it. Yeah, let me let me have you talk about Mito Pereira. Form looks good over there. Are we, are we taking that same approach? He's 7,200. He's in that Keith Mitchell, Kurt Kitayama, Chris Kirk range. I, th- I think he's kind of in that same bucket with the other lift guys. Like I think in that range, he's still he's still viable. Again, I'm not super biased against the live guys, uh, and maybe maybe that's to our advantage this week if um, people hate the live guys, but or don't think they're prepared to play golf. Um, yeah, I just yeah. I, I think they're all if they've shown something, they're fine. And, and again, it's hard to determine if Brooks' form last week is comparable to I don't know Scheffler or McRoy or JT or Cantley at the top of the not, top end. But he's not priced with that. Exactly, that's the point. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I I have a very hard time buying into saying, yeah, he played great for three rounds, but could he do it for four rounds? Yeah, I I'm, for me, this is I would a, take that bet money. minus 2,000 that he could do it for a fourth round yesterday. Right. For me, this, it's a big separation between betting them to win the golf tournament and playing them at 7,600. Exactly, yeah. Looking yeah. for that top 15 upside, top 20 upside to help me out. In a in a you know winning a million bucks, so um, uh, glad we're on par there. I don't think many people will be exactly on that wavelength. We'll see how it all turns out. Um, any other guys that you want to talk about before uh, we end up? Of course, we will have our top plays and our allocations in our uh, premium content for fantasy golf yeah. members, and of course, uh, get to have you back on the airwaves. You've got a sweet uh, gig over at Run Pure Sports. Those guys are awesome over there. Uh, so tell us where we can find you on their airwaves now for uh, our FGB listeners. And again, nothing will change over here at Fantasy Golf Bag, but uh, that's right. you will get to see Drew's face a little bit more and hear his voice if you're into that stuff. And I know all of us that love golf will love that. So uh, where can we find you this week? Yeah, super pumped. So I'll be able to help their their weekly golf show and hopefully their showdown show um, on Friday or Saturday nights. And uh, this week, I think the show we plan to do in the afternoon on Wednesday, and I think it'll be with Big T and uh, JSU. So uh, nice crowd, obviously, there. So you can find me over there at Run Pure Sports and obviously all the data stuff, um, the FGB model, the spectrum data and stuff like that will still be found here at fantasygolfbag.com. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of bridge the gap a bit. Obviously, I have big respect for those guys. They're all good players, and they're all very good at content, which is which is really nice. So yeah, I think it'll sure. help broaden the brand a bit. So, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, the biggest takeaway I have is, like, the live guys, I think, are really a difference maker this week. And I think if you take the extra time to dig into not necessarily their stats, but just, like, maybe how they're trending or some of the form or where they've played recently that maybe – you think matches up with, uh, you know, correlates a bit with Augusta. I think that's a big, a big advantage this week. Um, just looking like Louis Oosthuizen, who has a, a decent record of getting close to contending this week um, at Augusta, and maybe that's the guy that you, you know, kind of want to plant your flag on at seventy two hundred, and not many people go to because they're not going to take the extra minute to go look up their stats or look up their results from the Live Tour. So I think that's a, I, th- I think honestly you can view it as an edge this week is. Uh, is using a live guy. I don't I'm not sure I would set a group to use at least one live guy, but it, honestly, that might be the way, the way forward. <laughs> now that I think about it. So um, no, there's, there's really nothing else, man. I, I think my biggest takeaway this week is going to be building as much balance as I can trying to figure out if I can make it work with like a Scheffler or Rom. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically enough, Scheffler and McElroy are the two favorites. And so Rom yep. is actually like a lesser value there. Which but um, 
yeah, I mean, if you just exclude Scheffler, Rahm, and McElroy, everyone else is under 10K. You could make some pretty good lineups starting in that 9K range all the way down to like the mid sevens or low sevens. So I really like that angle this week. Yeah, um, I, I will say I'm a little more attuned to playing those top three guys, um, just given that uh, I think that that 7.6K range that we've talked about is so loaded. I'm cool. Clicking, yeah. Cool. Clicking all three of those names, throwing them in with Scheffler and then going from there. So. Um, all right, that will do it. Uh, we'll end as we do every Fantasy Golf Bag podcast by telling you who we think is going to win. Yes, this is much longer than we normally do, but it is Masters Week after all. Uh, next week we get the RBC Heritage. Uh, but, okay, um, see, here's the thing. I, I think that the top, the best three players in the world, one of them likely wins. But I think the one bet that I'll be making this week on an outright will be Jordan Spieth. I think that he's got the best chance outside of those three and presents the best odds uh, outside of those three to win it. I saw him at 20 to 1. If it goes any higher, I will definitely be having a piece. So if it's not those three, it's Jordan Spieth. What say you? Is it going to be Xander Schauffele or are you going to be boring like me and say, no, you're spot on, Xander? I had a feeling threes. Yeah, the way I think Xander. Maybe feel like you're going to go here for the break. Exactly. Yep, I think Xander's the guy. Um, good for DFS. I think good for an outright number. Obviously, has the history here to get close to contention. Again, that's kind of my my idea, I guess, of upside is is getting close to contention or being in contention. So, I think Xander's my uh, my pick to win this week for sure. Great. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining in. Of course, good luck this week. I hope we get a millionaire maker takedown amongst the community. Of course, make sure you check out all of our different types of content that we have. We've got some best ball content out there. We've got some rainmaker content. Uh, so we've got it all. Enjoy this week, everybody. Good luck. And we will see you back next week. The RBC Heritage. See you, everybody. <laughs>